All right, welcome everybody. We are live with Dalton Kate. Looking forward to this episode a lot. Uh, Theo, why don't you why don't you give us a quick intro on Dalton? All and uh, we'll, we'll actually well actually let's let Dalton introduce himself. Heck, uh, just tell us where we can find you. Tell us what you got going on these days. You're a busy dude. You've got a you got a lot going on. So yeah, just give us a DL. How are we doing, guys? Um, well, excited to be on. I think was this the third? This might be the fourth time I've been on the show. I think it fourth, yeah. I think we're at four right now. I think we're at four right now. Um, yeah, so I'm Dalton Cates. For you guys that do not know me, um, right now my work can be found at Ceiling Lines. So a lot of my stuff, I used to work like mainly in fantasy football. It's kind of how I started doing that, doing a lot of dynasty content as well. And then over the last couple of years. Um, a lot of my content now has been focused on more betting stuff. So I do like combine NFL draft. I'm already doing like, like last couple of days I was putting out uh, win totals for next year and like doing division winners and doing like all that stuff along those lines. So it literally never ends. We're going to have player props doing all that stuff. But I also like, I grind dynasty as well. Um, that's kind of like where I kind of started. So I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. You can find my stuff right now on stealing lines. That's where my betting stuff is. I put out, um research driven analysis um through a sub stack and then we have a discord as well where we're putting out picks as well for like the nfl draft that's kind of our big thing coming up right now and then um working right now behind the scenes on a couple things nothing like too official yet but um there'll be some announcements soon just for some 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 of my work just like like article shows and whatnot over here coming in the next coming months so um that's kind of where we are and then you can follow me on twitter it's the same handle that we got on here uh at dalton underscore kate so so we got going on and Dalton, you, you ran pretty pure with some March madness bets. Uh, you, you, you hit, you hit, you made a little money there. Uh, I saw, I saw you had a Yukon making the final four bet that cashed. I saw you had FAU, um, straight up in the Tennessee game. Um, and then did you have FAU also in the, in the lead eight game? Yeah. So I, had, so I don't know how I ran so pure. I think, I think, like it, it was just such a weird year where like I kind of embraced it was the East region was the one where like I feel like it was weird. I kind of like I would say I wouldn't say I hit everything, but like I basically was fading Purdue, fading Marquette. I had three futures to go to the final four. They had FAU 40 to one. I had Memphis. Memphis was probably my big one, but I thought the winner of that game had a chance to go far. And then I had Kansas State actually as my other final four one. So I was guaranteed to cash there at the end. UConn was my big team this year to like win it all. So I bet them make final four. I have like some, they're my only team I bet to make, to win it all. So I'm hoping to God that that just like works out there and like nothing crazy happens. But yeah, it's just one of those years where kind of just embracing the randomness of everything kind of just worked out in my favor. Um, but a lot of it is, is credit to like me listening to guys like Connor Allen and uh, Ken Barkley as well. Like those guys are great um, for college stuff and kind of help utilize their stuff and then base my own opinions and do independent research to kind of do that. So it's been fun. Miami's sneaky against UConn, but I, I feel like UConn, when they, it, when they make the final, the final is going to be an ugly one. It's going to be like a, you know, 12 plus point victory for UConn. I hope man, they've been demolishing every team and they, they, they're just so good all the way around. Like they, they really have no weaknesses. They're deep. They have good shooters. They're great at rebounding and they hustle as well too. They play really good basketball. Like it's very unselfish type of game that reminds you of like one of those Villanova teams like four or five years ago. And they're probably the best team we've seen in college basketball in terms of tournament play in the past, like five years or so, I would say since that Villanova 2018 squad. So um, they're going to be really hard to beat it. It'll take, take one of those games where they're just kind of missing their shots or something crazy has to happen. But again, like 
they're in a pretty good position to win it all. So we'll hopefully, hopefully it does happen. Well, one NFL team that we would put in the the mix of teams that could potentially win it all this year is the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. We had a wild week, Dan. Uh, John Lynch inexplicably talks up Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold while at the same time knocking down Trey Lance's dynasty and trade value with one statement. What is going on in San Francisco? And we'll start this out. Dan, who is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers on opening day for the NFL? Oh, man, you're going to start me out with that one? Um, that's, that, yeah. is the, that is the one. Good luck on that. I, I'm, I'm going to go with um, – I'm just going to go straight, straight to the fire. I, I'm going with Sam Darnold. I think Purdy's yeah. not going to be ready. I think uh, Trey Lance is, is not going to step up his game, and thus I'm going with Darnold for game number one. But that's spicy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think, I think that there's a possibility that that does happen. And I think in that scenario, it would be a Trey Lance trade. And I think there's yes. one, one fit. And I, I kind of mentioned this on Twitter a couple of days ago, but I've been trying to galaxy brain ideas and trying to figure out, well, the 49ers put a lot of investment into Trey Lance. They traded their 2020, Two, their 2023 first round pick and then they took the third overall pick on Trey Lance for him to play what has he played like three three and a half starts now in his NFL career so if you have a guy that you actually believe in Brock Purdy and you genuinely believe that Brock Purdy is the future um that's not a good thing for Trey Lance and you probably want to get some capital for him now while he still has a couple years left on his rookie deal and I know a team that really liked him coming out of the draft was the Atlanta Falcons and there's a reason why the 49ers traded up to three ahead of the Falcons was to take Trey Lance. Now we know the Falcons have been kind of weird about their quarterback situation um, this offseason. They just signed Taylor Henneke, like, and then they have Desmond Ritter. It seems like Arthur Smith's kind of talking him up to be that guy. And it's like, I, I, I was at the combine, I was talking to somebody with the Falcons, and they just didn't seem like too excited about Desmond Ritter. So I'm like, well, so are you really that excited about it? And then I, I, I think in the back, like maybe the Falcons aren't trying to trade up to maybe get a quarterback in this class. Maybe they don't feel confident about one of those guys. We thought Lamar Jackson would be one of the people that they'd be interested in, but like they also said they aren't interested in that. So it's like trying to connect the dots, trying to find a place where like Trey Lance could fit a team that could actually be interested in him. Um, and I don't know what the cost would be along those lines. I think that is something that we haven't heard yet in terms of like the mainstream, like uh, media of like Rappaport or Schefter. No one's really talked about that yet, but I think as the months go on, and it becomes with, especially if Sam Darnold becomes in this competition, if Purdy becomes healthier and Purdy starts to take that lead, I think it's something that legitimately teams that did not get a quarterback in the draft, like the Falcons potentially could be, um, you know, I don't know what the capital would be, maybe the second and a third or something along those lines. But I think, I think Trey Lance legitimately could be a, a, a trade target for one of these, these quarterback needed teams. So, so, so I, I agree that he's, he would be like valuable to certain teams because he is on that rookie contract. Yeah. Um, but my my argument against the the whole moving of Trey Lance is why would you make Sam Darnold the quarterback you brought in when we already have some health concerns about Brock Purdy? Even if you yeah. believe in Brock Purdy, Dan, wouldn't you want to have a, a quarterback you're you're a little more confident in than Sam Darnold? I mean, I you would think so, though I think Shanahan did like Darnold even from way back when. So Yeah, he's always liked there was always those rumors that he was going to get traded to San Francisco and people are like, what? It's kind of like the Shanahan, I can fix it mentality, isn't right. it? Yeah, a little bit. And, it, you know, see, the thing is, I think that, you know, with what we saw 
over the past couple days, the, you know, the sound bites and everything that we picked up, you know, that that's telling me that within the building, they're really dissatisfied with uh, Trey Lance. You know, that, that was basically a, you know, try to light up one last attempt to try to light a fire under a guy. You know, and that tells me it's not really necessarily even the on the field stuff. It's also the off the field stuff that's really concerning them. So, you know, if, if you've got a situation like that, that's what kind of leads me to the, the Darnold being the starter. Because if, if Trey Lance doesn't get his act together, you know, uh, I think that's going to be the way it goes. Because I don't think Purdy is likely to be ready for the start of the season. So I think you're probably going to be starting with either Lance or um, Darnold. The question on whether Lance gets traded, I think, comes down to how comfortable that do they feel that Purdy's going to be ready within, you know, three, four weeks of the start of the season, basically. If they feel pretty confident about that, then maybe they just take a chance, go ahead and trade off Lance, and then, uh, you know, run with Darnold until Purdy's ready to go. But if they don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, we might see him hang on to Trey Lance and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it, it, it could be that uh, Purdy needs almost the entire year to get ready. It's just hard to say with this kind of an injury. What do you guys think I, about that? I, I still think that in a scenario which or which like like they go in to the offseason with all three of these guys on their roster, I still think Trey Lance is would be the favorite in the clubhouse to win that job and be the starter week one. But I think it would come with a caveat of Trey Lance, you are our starter until further notice type of thing like hey you're going to start for us and you're going to prove to us that we've spent this capital on you and we still believe in you and your talent but like hey there's a short leash here if you play your first two three games there's a lot of pressure we know brock purdy can play within the system well like he led them to a ton of wins and all the way to the nfc championship game before he got hurt um so there, i think it's a lot of confidence from the players as well in terms of brock purdy as well where if trey lance is going like he doesn't have this wiggle room that you know, you normally have with like a, a guy who hasn't really played in the NFL before. Like they have this leash where it's like, okay, you can play a full rookie season and you can you can have your ups and downs and you can have that. Trey Lance doesn't really have that leeway anymore, which is tough for a player of his caliber. So I still think like if all three are there, like Trey Lance will probably get the not just like the leg up in terms of the competition at first. But again, we don't know what training camp's going to go. We don't know how these guys are going to like, you know, Dan said, off the field, how are they going to conduct themselves? How are they going to carry themselves uh, amongst the team? What what are the other leaders on the team going to say and have input in terms of who they feel they can rally behind on this team? And that stuff could actually lean in favor of Purdy. And um, who knows? So I think I think there's a lot still to kind of work out, but um, it'll be really interesting to kind of see see what happens. Mm-hmm. And Dan, who who has? So I'll say Trey Lance starts Week One in San Francisco, but I. I'm not sure on who starts, the, who has the most starts for San Francisco. I think it's kind of a, if Trey Lance starts the season and gets them off to a really, really hot start, like a four and one start, a five and one start, I don't think they can move away from that. But I think if it's a little bit slow, it could be Purdy. Who has the most starts? I know you're on the record as Sam Darnold starts week one. Who has the I, most starts? I, I'm going to go with Purdy has the most starts. Again, you know, presuming that he's healthy, you know, by sometime within the first month of the season. I, I think that's the way to go. I think that's who San Francisco wants. I, th- I think with, with Trey Lance, you know, what they're going to be looking at is not only the record, but how, how did we get to that record? You know, was he, you know, did we have to really dial him back to the point where he was almost a game manager and the defense has really been winning these games? Or was he going out there and lighting it up? I think if he goes out there and lights it up, you know, obviously then it's going to be Lance. But otherwise, I, th- I think, 
you know, with all other things being equal, they feel like Brock Purdy fits their system pretty dang well, and they're just going to go with him because they like what he's shown in a, you know, pretty decent sample size, nearly half a season worth of games. Dalton, is there dynasty value to be found in either of these quarterbacks where you Trey Lance on the, uh, a beat-up asset potentially this week or Brock Purdy, who the organization seems to adore and at least talks him up to the media? I will say that we did see Jimmy Garoppolo continually post, you know, uh, mid to low end QB2 numbers every single week that he was a Shanahan starter. I think Purdy to me is like a, a, a little bit more moxie, you know, from a system quarterback, but maybe a little bit more, you know, cojones, you might call him, or moxie, however you want to think about it. He's got a little bit of juice to him. So is Purdy a value? Is Lance a guy you'd want to go out and get? Or are these two situations to stay away from for dynasty managers? I mean, I think they're both valuable. I, th- I think in a scenario in which Brock Purdy ends up becoming a starter and he is the guy for them this season, it's really hard to see in Dynasty over the next two to three years that the Niners are even in position to get another quarterback and the scenarios that would have to happen for them to move on. So I think if you are buying Purdy, you're buying him with the idea that I believe he's going to be the guy this year. And that also is going to mean that he's probably going to be the guy for the next two and three years. And they have such a good team around him where it's like Shanahan has been so loyal to a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. And we've seen him. And like, I think Purdy's like in the same like tier of talent than Jimmy. Maybe he's like a little bit better version. Maybe he's a little bit worse. We don't have that big of a sample on Purdy, but I think like we can get that same type of production from him over the next, you know, you know, three, four years. And he could be one of those guys that's just starting. And like, we're not like extremely excited about it, but he has good weapons around him. He has a good system around him. And that naturally is going to elevate someone like Purdy. And I think Lance from the idea where it's almost like pretty binary, where it's like either like he's going to be the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. And if he is the starter for the 49ers, he's going to be good because that means that he's on the field and he's actually performing well, keeping Purdy and somebody like him off the field. So in that scenario, it's good. Or also, I think I think it's more likely than not, if they decide that Purdy's the guy, it's really hard to have Trey Lance on the roster, especially in the scenario that you're in where you can kind of move him off. So that means now Trey Lance is actually getting an opportunity to go ahead and probably start somewhere or at least be in like a legitimate competition for him to start somewhere where we know he has the rushing ability and potentially has good weapons or an opportunity for him to get a lot of starts under his belt in Dynasty. Dan, you kicking the tires on either one of them on Superflex Dynasty? Yeah, so the you know, I guess my thought on Trey Lance is if you have Trey Lance on your roster right now, now is not the time to move him. You absolutely do not want to be trying to move Lance right now. You're going to wait for better news because there he's going to be competing for a job. Uh, you know, so either you're going to get some some nice training camp highlights or you're going to find out he won the job for the 49ers or you're going to find out he got traded. Uh, you know, those are going to be the times to move a, a Trey Lance if you're not sold on his talent. Uh, if if you're looking for Brock Purdy, I you know, I don't know. I think almost any time is an okay time to trade for him. It's hard to say what his managers are thinking. Um, you know, it, but um, I I think Darnold might be a real cheap option that you can still kind of sneak through just because nobody really believes in him. Nobody really believes he's going to start, you know. That's somebody that I would be offering, you know, like a low second for or something like that and just, you know, see what happens. Um, You get him on your roster. I mean, you know, the ball bounce is funny. A lot of things can happen in this competition. Uh, You know, injuries can happen too. So, you know, Darnold could end up uh, falling into some starts for sure. 
we got to talk about we have the, the overhyped sleeper dan williamson is at the tight end whisperer he's also a minnesota native we need to talk about it's a little tight end news this week with irv smith landing with the cincinnati Bengals. i mean this was if you are still holding your irv smith shares you are loving this as a dynasty manager uh, I'll, I'll ask you both last last year hayden hurst was tight end 21 overall does irv smith finish higher or lower than Hayden Hurst did last season for the Bengals this year. Dalton, starting with Dalton. Uh, I think lower. I think lower. Um, I think Hurst had actually shown a lot more than Irv up to his point with the Bengals. And he was a first-round pick, too, so he naturally was going to get more opportunities. Irv, for me, like, he's flashed, like, here and there, but it's just been, like, so underwhelming. Like, I loved him coming out. I thought he'd be a lot better than we has his point. We do see a lot of tight ends when they kind of get that second opportunity and kind of do that. But normally we see like more from a player before to kind of get glimpses and, and, and the hope there. So I, I do think the opportunity of itself is interesting. Um, but I do have some questions about how good Pete actually is as a player in the NFL now through four seasons. 24 years old, Dan. Yeah, but I, I tell you, Dalton just laid it out there perfectly. I don't even have a single thing to add to that because that's exactly what I would have said. Uh, you know, he's. I, I loved Irv coming out. I thought he was going to be fantastic, and I, I've just been so underwhelmed. And so, yeah, I, I'm using this opportunity to get rid of my shares. There's a, there's a chance that they add another tight end on, on draft night. Um, they've been linked to uh, tight ends in the first round. That's been uh, a team that's been circled as one for, you know, potentially Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid. Um, but I don't know. I'll, I will say this, you know, you might say Hurst showed more than Irv, but it is a similar path here where they get, they get this guy with high draft capital, never quite did it on his previous team. Um, for Irv, he definitely had a lot of, a lot of injury issues as well. And Cincinnati gets him for cheap, and it's like a one-year plug-in. If he survives draft night, he's a little bit interesting as like a like a low, low-end tight end too because we have seen Burrow target the tight ends in the red zone. Hurst, Hurst had a pretty nice season uh, based, basically on touchdown catches. So there's all kinds of you know wide receiver talent in Cincinnati. It takes the pressure off of a tight end. Irv would just have to you know show up and fall in the end zone five, six times, and he's tight end 21. So – I'm not ready to, to to bury him, but I do think Dan has the right the right move. That if you have a chance to get anything for him in Dynasty, this is the week to cash out on the news. Um, wanted to we're going to talk about some rookies and this exciting class, but I first wanted to talk about one sophomore who could be a league winner this season, according to Dalton. Dalton, how high are you on Jamison Williams right now? Oh, I love Jamison. I think I think I think there's a lot of things that make him really intriguing, and his price is part of the reason why he's probably the most intriguing sophomore for me this year is because he's not priced as much as guys like Drake London, obviously like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at the top. Um, but like, he's not priced in that same realm. And I think the fact that we didn't see him as rookie year, or there's this recency bias that we already saw these guys play in the rookie year. And we know they had a good rookie year, which is definitely valuable to have that extra information, but heading into the draft, assuming that Jamison Williams was, fully healthy no acl tear he is the wide receiver one in terms of draft capital like he's pro I, I don't know if he's a top five pick but he's going ahead of drake london almost surely and the fact that a team traded up the line straight up from 32 to 12 to take a guy coming off a torn acl 
should just say everything that we need to know about how the NFL values him. And then we know that the Lions heading into this year, they were going to limit him. When he come back, like he was never going to be a full-time player. They just wanted him to get his feet wet, learn the playbook, get some plays in there. And when he was on the field, we just saw like splash plays like here and there. And it's like, okay, this is the Jameson Williams that we know can be absolutely electric. And also one thing that makes him extremely extreme, and this is probably the most important thing, is he, he's in an offense now in which he complements Amon Ross St. Brown perfectly. The Lions have one of the best. Like They're legitimately going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the league this year. And to have somebody like that who can take the top off the defense and really be a very explosive playmaker um, that m- maybe like a Deshaun Jackson type level of a player, like we don't really have too many of those types of guys in the NFL and Jameson Williams can really bring that threat. And we, when you're, when you're alongside somebody like Amon Ross and Brown, like we see it year in and year out, like having an elite wide receiver or somebody like a lot, like a top 15 wide receiver alongside of you, it just elevates your efficiency and it elevates the entire offense as a whole. So his touchdown equity is going to be higher. He's probably getting more efficient on his targets and that's going to make him that much better as a player. And like, yeah, James, I think Jameson is a smash this year. He's going to be fully healthy returning. And, like, everything that we wanted from him as a prospect, I think we're going to be laid out perfectly because he's in, he's in a perfect scenario, to be honest. Dan, your, your thoughts on Jameson Williams and also your thoughts on him playing next to Amon Ross St. Brown? Yeah, I, I agree with Dalton. I think that's perfect for him to be playing next to Amon Ra because it really is going to help. Um, you know, Amon Ra is going to take a lot of defensive attention. And... Um, you know, Williams is, is somebody that I was drafting last year, uh, you know, especially for teams that I knew were probably not going to be competing last year. Uh, you know, I would try to get into that Jamison Williams range and uh, and pick him up. And I, I'm just really excited about it because, I mean, you know, he's he had a couple near misses as well as the, you know, the couple shots that he hit. But he had some near misses where it was just like golf just missed him. Uh, you know, I think he did have one drop, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just like you can see, you know, the, the, the talent oozing out of this kid. So I'm totally excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on for dear life. I, you know, I'm not letting him go to, you know, I've had people give me low ball offers. Not happening. Not happening. He's, he's on my team and he's going to be on my team till the end of the year. 100%. I love it. And, and Dan, we've talked about Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in Detroit, as a guy we're super confident in. He seems like the kind of guy who really maximizes most of his players' fantasy outputs. And, you know, just you just think about, like, the, the wide receivers besides Amon Ross St. Brown. How many, like, random wide receiver three, wide receiver two weeks we, we've seen from, like, DJ Shark, Josh Reynolds, guys like that. So the chance for, for both those guys to play alongside each other, I think this is going to be – both of them inside the wide receiver two line with Amon Ross St. Brown, most likely finishing as a wide receiver one and Jamison being like, you know, I, I'm bullish enough that, that I think he could be a, a mid-level wide receiver two. Uh, they also don't have a tight end that's going to command a lot of targets in Detroit, which is super exciting. want to throw this back to you guys. If Jamison Williams was available in this, in non-super flex rookie drafts right now, which pick would you move straight up for him? Not the 101. Let's keep going. Are you moving the 102 for Jameson? No. Are you moving the 103? That's where it becomes debatable. I would say no. I'd lean no on that. So where is your yes. where is yours? 103 for you, Dan. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, who else are you gonna take over? That's a good point. I would say that like 
if if Gibbs or Gibbs lands very well, uh, or yeah. Charbonnet lands perfectly, um, or one of the wide receivers, uh, the non JSN wide receivers lands absolutely in the nuts, like to the Chargers or something like that, with a path to, you know, with the next to. I but I agree with you. It's somewhere there. Maybe it's not one hundred three for me. Dalton, keep it going. What pick would you feel comfortable moving for Jameson Williams? It's one hundred four. It's one hundred four for sure for me. I I liked him. Uh, I, I like him more than Addison. I think he'll be better than Quentin. I think he's better than those guys. Like Jackson for me is like he's just a stud. So for me, it's really hard to put someone like Jameson over Jackson. But like. I think I think it's a conversation with Gibbs, and I think the only reason I would lean Gibbs over Jameson is the fact that like we have that positional value of a running back. Dynasty landscape is so weak right now with running backs to where if Gibbs, especially, especially and this is the main thing, especially if Gibbs is a first round pick, that's just going to kind of cement him, in my opinion, as the one hundred three in terms of like okay, like we might have concerns about his weight and blah blah blah, but the NFL doesn't care. We know that he's likely going to be immediately thrust if he's not a workhorse in terms of the first few games he's going to be a workhorse in the back half of the year and heading into his career they view him as a guy who can command those types of touches and get him utilized in the receiving game and i think that is the positional aspect of that in terms of the dynasty landscape where we have so many receivers right now so many good young receivers like young wide receiver revolution right now especially last year we got drake london olave garrett wilson and then you got like a, a Traylon Burks as well. You got, got a lot of these guys too, in addition to the year prior and the year before that, where it's like you have kind of like 20 guys where it's in that range of like, okay, these guys are all really, really good players. Whereas like running backs, it's like, all right, are we putting Ken Walker top five, even though like it, it, there's so much more, so many more questions to that, where it feels like it's a much easier path for Jameer Gibbs to hit top five dynasty running back. And the value of that versus like a top 10 guy who we know like there's a, a lot of old veteran running backs. And we really don't have this youth kind of renaissance that we do at the wide receiver position. I think it's, I think it's the main factor for me, Gibbs over Jameson right now. But again, like it, you could easily convince me to go Jameson over Gibbs, especially, especially if he doesn't if he doesn't go around one. So anyone listening, Dan Williamson with Jameson Williams as his 103 in this class. Dalton Cates with Jameson Williams at the 104 right now. And I'm going to say I, I would feel comfortable – moving a 105 for him. I think that for me, that will be the cutoff. But Dan, I think that that trade is there for you in a lot of leagues. I think you can get Jamison Williams for the 105 right now. And that's something mm-hmm. we, we'll, we will sign off on. You don't need to, there might be a couple of landing spots where you maybe are like, maybe I wish I would have given myself more time to decide between, you know, a, a perfect landing spot for Jordan Addison or, or Quentin Johnson, or maybe a, a running back just lands on the nuts. But I think, when terms of pure talent, Jamison Williams is ahead of anybody we would see at that 105. So I, I'm with you guys on that, and I think that's a trade that the GOAT District listeners can kick the tires on. Wanting to start with Dan on this one, though. Let's stick with these second-year wide receivers. Garrett Wilson going 19th overall. Chris Olave going 32nd overall. Uh, Christian Watson and, and Drake London are very close to one another at 49 and 51, so right at that 4-5 turn. Jamison Williams is going at right around 69 overall. Traylon Burks at 89, Jahan Dotson at 91, and I forgot George Pickens, who's going right around 82, 83. Of those guys, who is the best value right now among the sophomore uh, wide receivers? And this is best ball, FFPC, uh, uh, ADP. All right. So it, it, I, I, 
both Dalton and I just talked the heck out of uh, JMO here, so I'm, I'm going to go a different way just to, to go a different way. I, I'm going to go with Christian Watson. I love the value there, um, and I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I was so out on Watson last year um, in the, the lead-up to the draft and in the draft and all summer long. I was like, man, I, I, I think Robio Dubes might be a better player. Um, 100% wrong. 1,000% wrong. So I got I, I got to take that L and own it and eat it and everything else. Um, that, that that was just a bad take. What we saw from Watson says that this guy could be you know like I I see you know basically DK Metcalf maybe even uh, you know but but basically right around that level. Uh, I think he's got that kind of talent. Uh, you know obviously he's not the physical freak that Metcalf is. But he's fast, he gets loose, and he's got confidence now. And that's what you want to see out of a wide receiver going into year two. And I think Jordan Love's got confidence in him too. And I think, you know, looking at what the Green Bay wide receiver room is going to look like, I think Watson is absolutely going to, you know, demolish everybody else as far as number of targets received. You know, so I, I see him as a guy who's going to be earning, you know, good chance of 140 targets, definitely 130. And uh, if he's getting targets like that, uh, yeah, that's a a smash for me. Dalton, besides Jameson Williams, is there another exceptional value for you? I think think a couple of them are. I think Christian Watson is definitely an interesting one. I think you make a case for Drake London. We're probably going to talk about that offense a little bit. And I think that's the main thing because if we had confidence in that offense, he's – Drake – in my opinion, should be going close to like Olave and Garrett Wilson. But again, there's a reason why he's there. My favorite though is probably Traylon Burks. I mean, he's going at 89. Like Traylon Burks was really starting to play really good. And then he got hurt. And yeah, and, and that, that was a question heading into camp. He really wasn't practicing much. He got hurt. He got banged up here and there. So like there is a question is, is there durability concerns? Is Can this guy stay healthy? Blah, blah, blah. But like, He's a first-round pick. Uh, he was a freak coming out. Um, he's an alpha receiver. He looks really good. Like his efficiency metrics were pretty good on a per route basis, per target basis as well. Um, there's really no competition for targets there in Tennessee. Tennessee might be the worst that they've been in the last like five, six years, which means like they probably cannot rely on Derrick Henry as much. Derrick Henry's also a year older, so like the offensive philosophy there also might be changing in a sense to where I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is an option for them. I don't know if the Titans are in a position to go ahead and get a rookie quarterback, but there's opportunity where Traylon Burks is like the like locked on wide receiver one. They're giving this guy seven, eight, nine, ten 10 targets a game. And if he can stay on the field and he can perform similar to how he was last year and kind of make that jump. Now that he's in the second year in the NFL, like he has all the superstar qualities that we're looking for in a player. So I think if we give him a full season and if we gave him a full season as a rookie, like his numbers would actually look pretty similar to guys like Drake London. Some of these, maybe not like on a per route basis, like a Christian Watson or whatnot. But like, I think that there is a kind of like this sentiment around Traylon Burks that, Oh, like he's not as good as some of these rookie wide receivers when like talent wise heading in, he was, and it's just some of these guys really just perform better and were able to just stay healthy over the year where Traylon Burks didn't really get that opportunity to do that. Um, and especially towards the end of the year, like his, his season's almost like the opposite of Christian Watson. Christian Watson was hurt early and he got to perform well towards the end where it's like Traylon Burks like was, was hurt and then he played really well. And then he was like hurt towards the end. So we really didn't get to see that full 
um, recency bias from from Burks that we do from some of these other guys. So I think I think he's an awesome value right now, eighty nine. I would put him probably closer to like if I were thinking draft like right around the Jameson Williams area. Like I think that's where the talent level is for Burks. But again, I do see see why there are concerns with Burks. I think Burks will end up there when we start getting to the money drafts of the summer because I think he'll rise up because I think. When it comes to Burks, it's a 35% target share vacated by Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. It's just disgusting to even say that. But yeah. I think that Burks and, and Chica Conquo are both like very intriguing heading into their second year because there's not weapons in Tennessee. Um, and that, that in that offense, those guys have a chance to, to have a really, really nice target share. And I will say that like I agree with, with on the Christian Watson call I think that's a tremendous, tremendous answer by Dan. I said the same thing to Billy Muzio. I actually think that Christian Watson, Drake London, right there at the four or five turn, both those guys are, are going to beat their ADP. Both of those guys look like alpha wide receivers, tremendous talents. And I think that this is just a, a group of wide receivers that you want exposure to. The second year wide receivers are usually in the mix for league winners. Last year, we were going to have some recency bias last year, especially in high stakes, because Elijah Moore and Kadarius Toney burned a lot of people. So people are not going to are going to want to get away from that. But I think that for for every time you see that, you see a you know a guy really beat his ADP, and people are more likely to talk about those two guys missing than Devonta Smith absolutely smashing. So this group, I think Dan and I have talked about it for m- many times about how special we think that this draft class of wide receivers is. So like I think they're they're all very good values. Like if you can't get Burks, I actually think Jahan Dotson at 91 is a great value. Um and George Pickens is very interesting down there as well. So uh really 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 uh fun class there. Anything else to add on these uh sophomore wide receivers guys? No, no I, I mean think... go ahead go ahead Dan. Yeah, I was just going to say I think I think uh you pretty much hit on all of them Theo. I mean it's it's an exciting class. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do and uh and Dalton's exactly right about Traylon Burks. I mean, that's that's just a situation that's ripe to explode as well. Pivot back to the question, though. Where, where would you guys feel comfortable trading a pick for Traylon Burks? Because that trade is available. If you put Traylon Burks in a poll right now on Twitter and say in FFPC Dynasty Leagues, would you rather have Traylon Burks or the 110? It's going to be close. Where yeah. are you at on a pick you would give up for him? And and Delton, you know, he got did get hurt catching a touchdown like a like a beast too. It was a beautiful touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so it was what, like it was like the first drive too. It was like this guy gets 111 yards next game. He's just he's starting to go like his breakout was happening, and then that happens, and it kind of. Uh, I would say I'm, I mean, coming into the draft, I think Jackson Smith and Jig was the only receiver I would have ahead of him. Um, I do I do think that there is value in kind of reloading and getting this unknown and like maybe like a Jordan Addison or a Quentin Johnson, but. Um, I would say like after like those guys, maybe after maybe around like a Zay Flowers range, like 109, 108, 109, 110, like I'd be comfortable with. But again, I think you can probably get him maybe cheaper than what I'd be comfortable with with the Burks. Um, I, I think it's the 110 is a cutoff for what you could actually do. Um, yeah. I don't think you're going to get Traylon Burks for like a high second from anybody. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no. uh, like I think if that trade would have been done, it would have been done already. Anybody holding him this late towards the draft is not, is not going to want anything less, but Dan, this is an interesting, you know, cutoff for you. Where would you feel comfortable trading one of these first round picks? Is there a number that you think correlates to a a trail on Burks trade where you're, you're feeling good about it? Yeah. I mean, obviously landing spots for some of these rookies are going to 
matter and all that. But I, honestly, I think about uh, just looking at it pure talent-wise. I mean, you know, I I have a hard time making case for anybody uh, from the one on 106 on down as being really significantly, you know, a chance of being better. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I think. I don't think you have to spend that much, but I think if I had like the the 107 or something like that, and I was stuck in a dynasty draft, and I'm like, I just don't like anybody who's there, I would definitely offer that out for Traylon Burks and see what happens. I think you could, but from some FFPC dynasty managers, you might be able to get Traylon Burks and a 2024 second if you offer that 107. Uh, right. You might want to wait till after the NFL draft when you know we're going to feel a little more comfortable about those picks. But I think like the trades Dan has given you tonight are are actionable um, and extremely interesting. Um, we hit on the sophomore uh, wide receivers. Another player who I who uh, Dalton is is doing the the write up and the video for the player profiler draft kit as a little sneak preview is Kyle Pitts. Dan Williamson is doing Tyler Lockett, a Dan Williamson favorite. So look out for those ones. Uh, Dalton, talk to us about Kyle Pitts because there's. There's some concerns out there in the Twitterverse. You people did not like the Johnu Smith signing, which we kind of laughed off. But you know, people have fear of Arthur Smith. They love the talent. How are you feeling about Kyle Pitts heading into his third season? I mean, I'm I'm as confident. I, I think I think everything that we know about Kyle Pitts is a talent. There should be zero questions in anybody's mind about how good he is. He was extremely good as a rookie. Um, 20, a 20 year old rookie who's getting a thousand yards of tight end. We've never seen that before. Second year, the offense was like historically run heavy. Like they were 20% like under expectation for running the ball. And yeah, like naturally when that happens and then you also get hurt on top of that, like you're just not going to see the volume, but on a, on a target per route run basis on a yards per route run basis, like Cal Pitts is still like like top three amongst guys like Kelsey and like all these things. So when we extrapolate that and we're just like, okay, and when he's in a normal offense, a normal offense, like Kyle Pitts is crushing in all these scenarios. And also like his off target throw percentage, Mariota, like there were so many times where Kyle Pitts would just be like open deep. And then like, he missed it. But then like, uh, 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 I don't even know what to say his name. Like Alameda uh, Zacchaeus is running down the field and he just hits him for a bomb or Demir Burge is running there and he hits him for a bomb. It's like, Dude, why can't you do that with like Kyle Pitts? So talent is like there's there's no doubt in my mind that Kyle Pitts is like a superstar. He is going to crush. Like it is like Kyle Pitts is inevitable. The question now is like the context of what is going on in that offense. First of all, that offense can that that passing offense. It doesn't even matter if they're rolling up Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. It is not going to be worse than it was last year. There is no way that they're going to run at a historically you know, high rate as they were last year. And also in that same context that they're going to miss Kyle Pitts that much, even when he's open it, with that same type of volume. So we already know in a worst case scenario in which the offense is still extremely run heavy and like the quarterback play still is not good. And it's one of the worst in the league. Kyle Pitts is still going to do better than he was last year. Now, if there's a scenario where I don't know how likely Lamar Jackson is, um, I don't know how likely um, a quarterback being drafted is. I mentioned Trey Lance, a potential possibility, but like, let's say they're rolling in with like Desmond Ritter or, or Taylor Heineke. Like it might be a little bit more pass heavy. Kyle Pitts might not be the same guy that we wanted him to be after his rookie year right now in this season, but like 
he's going to be much better than was last year. He's going to be healthy. Like the team still thinks he's special. Like I think Atlanta like really realizes how good he is. And I also don't think that it's an Arthur Smith offensive philosophy thing. I think it's a quarterback talent issue because we saw Arthur Smith with Matt Ryan. They were actually like 11th, 11th in passing like percentage. So they were actually like pretty pass heavy when they had Matt Ryan there. Um, and then it's like when they had Marriott, I think they realized like our quarterback situation sucks. And you'd like to think heading into this offseason with all this cap space and all this stuff, it'd be like, our team is like kind of good. We have weapons here. We just invested in Kyle Pitts with the fourth pick. We just invested Drake London with the eighth pick. Like maybe we should go and get him an actual quarterback that can play and like get our weapons, the ball and kind of capitalize on this passing investment that we put on there. And like, they haven't done it at this point, and I'm not willing to write it off that they won't do it because we still have the draft, and there's still, like, a lot of things to play out with free agency and stuff. But, like, it's trending towards right now that maybe it's Desmond Ritter, which, like, isn't making me excited. But with all that being said, like, we've seen his his price last year. It was a third-round pick. Now he is a sixth-round pick. And last year, maybe we should have taken into more context the actual offensive situation. But now we've almost overcorrected and been like, this is what the offense is going to be. And it could be similar to what it was last year. But there's almost like there's almost a 0% chance that it is more run heavy and there's and there's less volume for Kyle Pitts than what it will be this year. And if we still believe in the talent, which every single thing that we've seen from last year shows us that the talent and He's getting the opportunities and everything that we would want him to see from a year one to year two leap happened in a, in a per target context. Um, then like, then like what, what is there really to worry about with a sixth round pick when we know the upside that we were drafting with the third round pick is still there. Like Kyle Pitts, we don't know if it's going to be his year 24 or when he's going to be 25 or 26 or 27. We don't know when that jump's going to be, but everything within his profile streams a guy that is going to be an absolute dominant player at the tight end position. If you put him, if you switch him out right now and you put him in the Lions offense, like, where's he going? Like, like, honestly, where's he going? Is he going second round? Like, is he going right behind? Like, if we know that the offense is good and I know it's going to be pass heavy and we don't have a question about talent, like, what, what, what are we missing on here? So why are we not buying a player that we know is extremely good in bad situations? We ha- have it happen every year. Remember last year with the, the the Seahawks? I mean, Dan, you're writing about Tyler Lockett. Remember DK Metcalf got pushed all the way back to the, the fifth round? And it's like, oh, wow, Geno Smith. Wow, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. And now DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are balling out. It's like you want to buy good players in situations in which there's a lot of unknown there because there's only upside there. And there's no downside right now. There's absolutely no downside. And there's only upside if the offense is – better than we anticipated to be this year. And that, I think I think this is the time where it's like, you've got to just completely wipe out what happened last year and just, just buy into the fact that all these things that he checks the boxes with in a bad situation and just kind of just lean into that. And it's been like last year, it, it doesn't matter. We're going to run it back this year and we're just going to kind of put our foot forward. And then maybe this is the year where he just absolutely smashes and he pays off what he, we expected him to do last year. Mm-mm. Dalton, he's tight end five right now. Yeah. So you know he's he's still in terms of the position he's he's going very highly. Yeah, I'm going to say tight end six and a half. Does he finish higher than than six and a half or lower? Oh, higher, higher for okay. sure. Yeah, hundred percent. High higher as in like like a lower number. Like like, finished, like yeah. better. Okay, I, maybe yeah, I phrased yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you're the props guy. I had to throw the half on there, so you know, give you a little wiggle room. Yeah, no, no. I I I think higher for sure. And I think I think it's something interesting too is is when we're looking at a guy like Mark Andrews and we know the talent's there and we've seen him be efficient on a yards per route run basis and everything, he might be t- potentially in like 
almost very similar scenario to Kyle Pitts heading into next year. And he's going, what, much two, three rounds earlier than someone like Pitts? So for, for FFP, for FFPC, you're seeing Mandrews and, and Hawkinson living in like that second round. Maybe you get them in the yep. early third. Yeah. Dan Williamson, this is what we call the devil's advocate uh, response. <laughs> I will say that I still have a lot of money in Pitcoin and my dynasty teams. I did, however, pivot off of one or two shares. And I'll tell you why, Dalton, because I do think that when we look at dynasty, if you're talking about the inevitability, and I agree on that, but however, I got to see something this year from it. And I will say that if he does not give a, a top five finish or a top six finish, I do think he, he gets dinged up slightly in dynasty. I don't think he's ever going to lose value because of the pedigree and the fact that he's got a thousand yard season. So I think a pivot where you're still getting paid like he's a top, you know, 25 asset in FFPC was something that I was willing to pivot on. I didn't sell cheap. I got one team was like Justin Fields, the 106, the 206, like a nice size package. Um, but I do think that's the only argument. I am still in on Bitcoin. I still have a lot of them. But Dan Williamson is not a Bitcoin shareholder. Dan, I'll throw you the six tight end, six and a half. Does he finish? I'll throw a seven, tight end, seven and a half for you, Dan. Is he finished higher or lower than seven and a half? Um, it's seven and a half. You're maybe starting to intrigue me a bit, but I'll say lower just for the sake of the ratings. Um, <laughs> it's a doubter. Uh, it's a doubter, Dalton. You got it. You got to break yeah. down. I, I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm trading uh, Pitts and Dynasty, I'm looking for Dalton. Uh, oh, yeah. I want him to join that league. You know, uh, it, it, on the Dynasty side of it, I think Pitts is one of the most tough trades to try to finagle right now because his owners have so much invested in him. They've got so little out of it, you know, that there's a little bit of a, you know, kind of almost a, you know, a sunk cost fallacy on it where they're, they're going, no, I got to get more than, you know, I can't, I, I can't fold now because what if this is the year, you know, and you know, you just, you just feel crushed if you sold bits and you didn't get, you know, like everything that you put into them out of him. Um, so I, I think it's tough to tough to buy him and it, it's, it's probably tough to sell him. I mean, I honestly, Theo, I'm surprised you were able to to kind of pull the trigger on those because I, you know, I, I do think you took a little bit of a hit probably on value, but you know, the way that you did it, you, you left yourself some outs and that's the way to go. If you're going to sell them in dynasty, you want to leave yourself some outs. You know, you probably want to get another undervalued player in return, plus a couple of picks or players that you do feel real good about, uh, you know, to, to make it all work out for you. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want to have no Kyle Pitts, you know? Right. So, and I will say, Dan, like you can always in FFPC, you can find in a lot of leagues, you're going to find a Dalton, but in most leagues, you're going to find a Theo who will are willing to pay for Kyle Pitts, especially. I, I still think that there's a FOMO with him where mm -hmm. people don't want to not like, especially, you know, the guy, the team names that you see in a lot of these FFP dynasty, FFPC dynasty leagues, they don't want to not have any any Bitcoin because when Bitcoin hits, Bitcoin could really 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 hit. But we want to <laughs> see we want to see Bitcoin hit this year and not yeah. when he's 27. Don't put that yeah. out there in the universe, Dalton. I don't want to it, wait it, till it, he's 27. I yeah, I don't it, want to see it happen, man. Trust me. Like I I'm the one that's like trying to like look into the context and see reasons in which he can really be the guy that I thought he'd be this year. And with the current setup with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter, it just doesn't seem likely that he can hit those extremes, but his talent alone can get him 
within some range. But that's also that that can also be a very good thing. If Kalpitz is another bad year, like bad year where it's like he still shows like good metrics on like a per route run basis and like all those things that we're looking for, that can be a good thing if they have a bad year because heading into next year, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then now what? If you get one of those guys next to uh, Kyle Pitts or they somehow or you fire Arthur fire Arthur Smith. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Get, a, get, get, get him the hell out of town. Yeah, you get like a Todd Monken or someone who's like really right. past heavy and really wants to embrace like those. Like it's very – we have those every single year where there's a couple guys and a couple teams in which like we're like, okay, this team this year, like we're really excited about all the players on the team. And I'm not sure if it's the Falcons this year, but it's very easy to see next year or like like that – Oh my God! Like the Falcons, they they had this kind of change in culture. They had a change in a coach or a team or a quarterback. Where it's like everybody wants those players, and now they're impossible to get. And just naturally, without even them even playing on the field, they're going to spike in value. And that is going to happen at some point with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I don't know when it's going to happen. It literally could be this offseason. We could be looking a month from now, and Lamar Jackson's still available. And Atlanta's like, you know, we have the room. Like Lamar's kind of changed his terms a little bit. Lamar, I think, is from around that area, too. I know the Falcons were math. They were heavy into Deshaun Watson and that sweepstakes. They thought they were going to get him. Like, it's possible that Lamar Jackson's, like, it, he like he could be the starting quarterback for the Falcons heading next year. And then, like, li- how does that change your view on Kyle Pitts and Drake London? We're not necessarily, like, concerned about them anymore. Like, we saw Mark Andrews ball the heck out with with uh, with um, with Lamar Jackson. We saw Marquise Brown be a be, – um, um, prevalent with him as well so it's like we've seen that type of offense before work there so like it, i don't know when it's gonna happen but the moment it does happen it's just like that's the time that's going to be impossible to get someone like kyle pitts um and hopefully hopefully it happens this offseason i'm freaking tired of it man i've taken too many l's last year but i mean it's a, someday we're gonna ra- raise the w banner and uh there you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll be well. Pick one. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm going to throw out a name, and the initials are E. Don't do it. Not the one you're thinking of, Theo. Okay. Not, not the one you're thinking of. I, I, I'm going to throw out the Evan Ingram comp. Um, and it, I think it has a little bit of relevance because basically, um, you know, Ingram flashed when he was a rookie, as did Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, we saw the things we wanted to see. Everybody got really excited about him. And then Ingram just got stuck in a terrible offense. And that's what we're seeing out of, of Pitts right now. And it took Ingram, you know, finally getting out of the Giants to get over to Jacksonville. And then we start to see the things that we saw that rookie year. And, you know, it could be the same kind of situation with Pitts. I mean, it just might be as long as he's with Arthur Smith, you know, that things are tough all over for him. I don't know. But, um, you know, sooner or later... Yeah, I think Pitts is going to hit. It's just, you know, how long does it take and, uh, you know, how big of a hit can we get out of it? Uh, this, we need to have a follow-up conversation. Sorry, Dalton. Sorry. I, we'll I, a, I know that was tough to hear. We're going to do a follow-up. Well, to Dalton, Dalton, <laughs> Dalton, this you're like Evan Ingram for Dan. That's like a huge compliment for Pitts. Yes. Because he's I, I, the I, word I Eric Eng- Ebron. I have an Ingram truther. So. He has, so, he has so, an so, Eric he, Ebron as well, Dalton. He's thrown oh, out, which no, is just a sick thing. No, no. No, no. Kyle, Kyle Pitts is like Evan Ingram. If he had like a golden mushroom, like a star, and like a Mario Party game, like that's that's yep. that's that's the definition of Kyle Pitts. Like right. I, I'm I'm not. I th- I can see the play style aspect of it just because he's more like a wide receiver, not necessarily like you don't want him in line blocking. You want this guy just right. rolling routes, like destroying people in press coverage. Like no one can guard this man one on one, especially deep downfield. But um, I'm I'm I I get I get it stylistically. I, I can see that yes. where it might take take some time. But I do think the ceiling for Pitts like. Is, is higher 
it's yeah. unheard. Yeah, like like yeah, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say Calvin Johnson, but he could be the Calvin Johnson of tight ends. Stick stick with the tight end position, guys. We'll have a we'll revisit this with Dalton, Dan, and and me this uh this season. Maybe after like week ten, we'll have a special Kyle Pitts yeah. twenty minute. One of you guys getting a flex session. I'll be I'll be I'll be there crying tears of joy or tears of pain. So there you go, the, yeah. there you go. Um, stick with the tight end position. This is a very intriguing tight end class. Yeah, it could be a transformative tight end class where we're seeing a lot of these tight ends are going to be drafted in the first second and a couple of them will fall into the third but there is going to be a, the tight end position is going to be called a lot on day one and day two who are some of your favorite tight ends in this class and is i'm going to guess that one is an arizona state sun devil i do, i do i do like some of these guys in here i would say my favorite right now is somebody who has the same name as me his name is dalton so um, naturally i'm tied to him dalton kincaid is like really interesting i know he's i know he's a little older whatnot but we've seen older tight ends like weirdly be some of the better ones i think gronk is one of the few ones that was like a younger guy that broke out but like i think kelsey was like 25 heading in um there's some other guys off the top of my head that i can't really remember but i know like for the tight end position we've seen some of the guys like age historically um hasn't mattered too much in terms of massive upside especially if you're getting like early capital i think dalton's probably gonna be a first round pick i don't know what this whole pro day thing now that might drop him a little bit, but on, on tape, he looks pretty athletic. He reminds me, I, I I've seen people throughout the Travis Kelsey comp and like I, stylistically, I can see it. Like, I think, I think the way he works like inside zones and stuff and like the way that he catches the ball and like almost like immediately makes the first guy miss like that. A lot of times looks like Kelsey and sometimes the way he's like juking players in the field looks like him. But I think my comp may be closer to maybe like a, a Zach Ertz type of fantasy level asset. Um, in the future. And I think if Dalton were to test out, like, I think he'd probably be more athletic than people would think. Um, I'm not sure he's running like a four, four, like, but he could be running like a four, six and like agility wise. I think he would actually test out like pretty well in that scenario to where like, we would be like, Oh, like this guy's like actually a pretty good athlete. He's probably going to round capital. Yeah. There might be some red flags in there, but like teams are looking at him more as like this receiving threat. And like one thing that I, I feel like some of my biggest misses of the past like three years is not taking as much context into like what some of the scouts are saying, where like weaknesses, where strengths are, why is somebody like Chris Olave getting first round capital? I don't think he's that good, but why is he in first round capital? No, no, I'm, I'm better than the draft, the draft scouts. Like I'm better than them. Like I'm going to put Chris Olave lower my ranks. And like, I missed out on that. I missed out on Devonte Smith. I missed out on Jalen Wilder because I did that where it's like, I almost just need to lean into like, okay, the NFL like likes this guy for a reason. And I'm looking on tape, like this guy does things well. He's a really good receiver. Yeah, maybe he not be the best blocker, but like for fantasy, as long as he's on the field and you're just spending a first round pick on him, like you're going to be on the field. You're going to see that opportunity. And, and it's really hard to find tight ends and really have ones that really hit, especially in rookie classes. But for somebody like at his price right now, especially in comparison to the rest of the rookies in this class, I think I'm actually be taking a lot of tight ends. And I think Dalton's probably the one where I'm like, I could easily see be like, yeah, we're like, he's a top five tight end every year that we're drafting because like, he's a really good receiver. He understands the game. Well, like you can utilize him as that, especially like in today's NFL too, like you're just moving him in the slot and you're able to utilize him as zones and mismatch nightmare for a lot of guys. And I think he's somebody at cost that I really like as well. Um, so he's probably he's probably my favorite right now um, that that I've seen and watched just just that cost. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's super interesting. And my segue was poor. I I got the Pac-12, but I, he's a Utah Ute, not an Arizona yeah. State Sun Devil like my boy Dalton ASD. over here. <laughs> but he's he's interesting because you know we've talked about like like Michael Michael Mayer is my favorite tight end in the class, and yeah. he's very safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. But Dan, we've talked about like he's also a mauler as a blocker. Kincaid mm-hmm. is not going to have that. Kincaid's about twenty pounds lighter. He's about two forty-five. M- M- Mayer's a, a solid two sixty-five. So I think Kincaid is a move tight end. His stats were great at Utah, and his highlight reel catches like he, he catches everything. And I think he kind of projects as like a move tight end. Um, interesting to see that you're you're very high on him, Dan. Anything to to share on Dalton Kincaid? And I'll throw out the Washington Commanders at sixteen overall. That's a player that they've been linked to, taking him even right there at 16. And last year, they took Dotson ahead of where people thought he would go. This this uh, this staff kind of wants to get their guy, and Kincaid's a guy that, that's being linked to them right now. Yeah, I, I think Kincaid is probably the most interesting um, tight end prospect in this draft. I You know, Meyer is kind of that guy that's going to be Hunter Henry. Uh, you, know, you know, you know he's not going to miss, but he's – I, I'm not sure how big he can hit either. Um, you know, I see him as, as kind of a cap ceiling a little bit, whereas Kincaid, uh, you know, there, there are probably a couple more paths for him to miss, but his ceiling is much, much higher. Uh, you know, and then there's a like a Darnell Washington who, who could end up being much more of a blocker than we really want to see. Uh, you know, so it, it, of those tight ends that are likely to go in the first round, um, Kincaid, I think, is the one that's most interesting to me. Uh, you know, Luke Musgrave is pretty interesting too, but I think, it, you know, Sam Laporta is probably the guy that, you know, intrigues me out of those those somewhat later tight end prospects. You know, they're likely to go maybe day two, maybe, you know, Laporta, I guess, could go day three, but more likely uh, later on day two. I think they're all going to land on day two. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. like a, a mad rush to take the time. It might even be like, I, I legitimately think we'll see eight go off the board um and then you know how it is like when eight goes some other team might push another another guy or two um and just you know there might be like nine or ten drafted by the end of day day two which is just wild but i think eight is a that would be like my bet dalton if you had a prop i would take that one um is there any 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 other tight end that you are very intrigued with you know maybe a guy that you might be ahead of consensus on um I don't know. I mean, Dan mentioned Laporta and Musgrave. I think are both interesting. Darnell Washington's been a really hard one for me to kind of grasp, just because like I see the potential and the lure with him. Like especially like a, you could you could easily make the case this guy's probably going to be a first round pick in the draft. So teams really like him, um, and you can easily like see cases for him of why he was underutilized in college. I mean, being along like Brock Bowers and whatnot. But when he got the ball, he was efficient. He just like you just watch him you're just like this guy is like on a different level than everybody else like he's a literal man he's like 6'7 265 but I think the one thing that is really interesting and I wouldn't say like team dependent but like he's really good as a blocker and he could be utilized like a lot of times he gets talked about his team because draft him was like hey you're a sixth offensive lineman but we're also going to put you in mismatch situations so like my call for him is like a better version of like a Moali Cox where it's like Moali Cox at times like looks like really dominant and he's massive and he's big. Um, and if a team like kind of leans into that receiving aspect, be like, Hey, if we just get this guy like in space or we utilize him as a red zone threat, or we just get him the ball, like they're going to have to swarm to tackle this guy. Like, like he's just going to bully people on a one-on-one scenario, like even against like NFL linebackers, like he's bigger. He's like just as big or bigger than those guys. So he's able to take on those guys pretty easily. Um, so I do think there's like this case where we could walk away five, six years from now and just be like, 
holy smokes, like how could we not have seen this guy coming? And he's just like this transcendent tight end. I don't know how likely that is, but I do think there is like this case to be made that we're just like this guy just has could just be like it absolutely unreal tight end just in terms of just bullying guys or getting him just teams don't know how to stop him dan mm. that's that's kind of how i'm handling him I, I don't know about you but i know like for my rookie drafts it doesn't matter where he lands i don't want to not have any darnell washington because i think we'll know mm. pretty quickly how the the like we don't always see these rookie tight ends we rarely see them you know shine as rookies um it's kind of the guy you got to make an investment with your dynasty teams and hold on to or potentially you know by low during their rookie year but i think with washington you'll know by how he's treated by the offense that drafts him because he'll be a mm-hmm. high pick and yep. are they using him as a mauler or is he like a red zone threat with that sort of athleticism he has rare athleticism so yep. i don't want to not have any washington dan any other tight ends you want to talk about that you're interested in getting some exposure to i i think those are the main ones i mean you know and to to kind of go back to Washington for just a second, you know, kind of the way I see him as, you know, like I, I, I tend to look at pro- players like this and as a probability curve. And I see, a you know, it, just the big, you know, the big mass of probability as being kind of a low end tight end or whatever. But there's a long tail, um, you know, out, out to the positive side, out to the, the right. Um, and what I'm looking for is if I see a team draft him where I think he might get used more as a receiver, all of a sudden that, that long tail out to the right gets fatter, you know, and that's that's what I want to see. That's what I'm really going to be in on Washington is if I see that that tail out to the right getting bigger and fatter, if I if I see it still kind of maintaining itself as, eh, he's probably going to be more of a blocker than anything, uh, you know, I, I will probably slide him back in my rookie drafts a little bit just because... I think, you know, it might be a year or two before they really unlock that receiving potential, and I can probably grab them then. I love it. Uh, Dalton, we've hit the one-hour mark. Um, I quickly want to get your thoughts on these, on your two favorite wide receivers in this class. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, talk us through. Jackson's a stud. He's going to walk in the NFL. I I I think rookie year, 1,000-yard receiver, and I don't really think it matters where he goes. I think I think Jackson is that good of a player. And we saw we saw a lot of um, my comp to him coming into the draft as a prospect is Justin Jefferson. And I've I've kind of seen people be like, yo, like Justin Jefferson's like the best receiver, young receiver in the league, and has had the best career up to this point in the league. But I think I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of how he was treated as a prospect. As Jackson is a guy who was utilized mainly in the slot alongside other good players. And I think that's being used against him. But like we've seen him be utilized on the outside and he's actually been really efficient when utilized on the outside. But it's obviously a limited and small sample. And I am here to say like that doesn't mean that Jackson cannot do that. Because J- Justin Jefferson wasn't was expected to just be a slot guy. And he showed that he could do that. He just wasn't asked to do it. And that happens a lot of times, especially when you're surrounded with Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson and Marvin Harrison. Like these are all first round, like top eleven picks. Like these are all guys you're surrounded with. And then Jackson has done everything we wanted from a guy. He got hurt. Um so at minimum you know he's just gonna be an absolute stud in the slot. But like even within his own game, like he has just great awareness on the field. His hands are amazing. He's really, really good after the catch. Like his agility is the same. I think he's faster than people think. Like I'm not saying he's a four-four guy, but like 
high four fours. Like he is able to like run past people and able to create angles around people. Whereas yards after the catch is really good. He's able to high point catches. Like there's really absolutely no weaknesses in his game whatsoever. And he does a lot of things well to where like, I think in any normal class in which like Jackson was able to maybe play this year and maybe they utilized him more outside this year. Like maybe it was him and Marvin outside, or maybe they used some slot. I have no idea what the plan was for him this year, but if we had seen him go outside and dominate this year, like it, we're talking potentially as like a, a top five pick in the NFL draft type of player. Um, I'm not here to say like he's a Jamar chase level type prospect, but he's the closest thing we've had to that type of prospect in the past couple seasons. Um, for me, he's he's a lot like I, I it, it's I would just be shocked. It, it, anything on the field wise, maybe there's off the field stuff. I have no idea, but on the field wise, like he for me is just like a locked in like stud. He's gonna be a top five dynasty receiver at some point. I don't know when, but like I, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a superstar. He's gonna be a superstar. <laughs> and then um oh yeah, I need to talk about I'll talk about Jordan Addison a little oh, bit. Sure. I think, yeah, the, the, yeah, like Dan, anything to add on Jackson? Like Jackson Smith and Jigba, that's Dan and I's one oh two, and I think it's a slam yep. dunk. Yep. And I, like, yeah, I, 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 he doesn't have to be Jamar Chase because mm-hmm. he could just be a volume, uh, like, hound. Like, yeah. he's the kind of guy that could get a 150-target season yeah, um, and do it in a different way. So I, I, yeah. I think he's a technician, and I think he's a killer, and I think he'll be able to move around. I'll say that the crazy upside, to me, it's kind of like a slightly smaller Cooper Cup. That would be what mm-hmm. I see when I see him. So, Dan, what were your thoughts on Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yeah, I, I, I think he's the one guy in this class that could make uh, the person with a 101 regret a couple years down the road taking Bijan. So, love yeah. that. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's – and I think you treat him like Dalton said. Like I think like he is the guy – if you want to pivot off of like T. Higgins – like mm-hmm. that's a that's a trade you could do if you're yeah. you know you maybe maybe a pivot like that like I think he's that that sort of guy that you treat like a wide receiver, you know I think he's like wide receiver twelve ish right now as a dynasty asset yeah for sure I, um, I think yeah. it's super interesting Dalton your thoughts on Jordan Addison Jordan Jordan's a stud if Jordan Addison was thirty pounds heavier like he's probably one of the best prospects to come out and last seven, eight years. I, th- I think, I think the biggest concern with him and, and the reason I've been struggling with him is I wouldn't say he doesn't play to his size, but you can tell like even in college, like his, the, there might be durability concerns. Like you can tell like when he's getting a hit that like, he's not like, he's not like, str- he's not necessarily strong for his size, but what he is, is he's an amazing route runner. He's very aware. Um, like he's very like field aware. He has great IQ. He's able to make guys miss. He he takes. He's fast too. I think I think the four four nine. He looked a lot faster on film than what he showed at the combine. And I've heard I've heard from some people that like NFL teams aren't necessarily taking the actual number of their forty time into account. And there's like the zebra technology that like showed that a lot of these players times were off by like 0.06 or 0.07 and teams are actually using those numbers in terms of there. So like Jordan Addison, maybe one of those guys that like re- actually ran like closer to like a low four, four instead of the high four, four that people um, were concerned about. So um, I think, I think, I think he just like really has no weaknesses in his game. He's a, he's a, I, I would say the term like dynamic playmaker. He's probably the closest thing stylistically I've seen to like an OBJ, like almost like a Jamar chase type of, player in terms of like the style that he plays with but again he's just like a smaller version of that and i think that's really the only concern i have with addison otherwise he's like it checks uh, all the boxes that you're looking for in a guy so it's, it's really hard for me to see him fail outside of like 
out off the field or injury potential concerns with him. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll say Dan and I sat down with John Lobb and John Lobb uh, brought up Stefan Diggs, Jerry Judy as like a nice comparison. That, and, and I think that that's kind of like a, he could end up somewhere in between those. And I will say I was very disappointed at the sub 180 pounds to go along with the 449. Yeah. But like Cody Carpenter was like, the NFL teams don't care. Like Jordan yeah. Addison is it. Like somebody's taking Jordan Addison. He's going to get very high draft capital. Yeah. The skinny thing doesn't scare anybody anymore after, you know, Devonta Smith. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's going to have the draft capital. Dan, where are you slotting Jordan Addison in your rookie ranks and your thoughts on him as a player? I mean, honestly, he could end up at my 103. Um, I know I'm probably lower on Jameer Gibbs than most, but, um, you know, I, it, it's going to depend on landing spot for both of those guys as far as who's my 103 and who's my 104. Um, you know, and, and, and heck, even Charbonnet could could slide up in there. I mean, you know, if, if Charbonnet and, uh, and Gibbs go a couple picks apart in the, NF, in the real NFL draft and, and we like Charbonnet's landing spot a lot, I mean, that could even push him up over Gibbs for me uh, just based on the size and everything because I, you know, I'm very concerned about the size um, of Gibbs, you know, just basically any, any player who's under 210 pounds at running back. Uh, that definitely concerns me as far as, you know, like what, you know, how good can they be for fantasy NFL? No doubt. I mean, he's going to be a great player for whoever drafts him, but, uh, fantasy wise, I mean, at the end of the day, we need, we need those carries, you know, we just need those touches. We need those, those targets. And, uh, I'm not sure if we can get enough of them out of Gibbs. Well, this is a great mental exercise guys, because I feel like after we're all kind of on the same line where it's Bijan Robinson at the one one then it's it's Jackson Smith and Jigba at the two. It feels to me like there's a tear break, and yeah. I think that it's it's it could the tear break could get smaller if Gibbs lands really well, but it could get larger if Gibbs lands poorly and Charbonnet lands poorly and maybe Addison lands poorly. How much would you give up to go from three to two? Because I think that that's a move that players should consider making before the NFL draft, which kind of goes counterintuitive to you know, the kind of advice we often get in Dynasty. Dan, what would you give up to move from the 103 to the 102? What are you putting on top of that one? I mean, I'd, I'd give up an early second, I think. Would you give up the 103 and the, the 202? 103 and 202? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably want like a fourth back or something like that, you know, just something to, to kind of, uh, you know, where I can grab another player later. But you know, that, that wouldn't be a deal breaker either. I mean, you know, if somebody insisted on 103 and 202 to get to the 102, uh, but that's a, that's a trade I'd rather make after the NFL draft rather than right now. Uh, because I think there's a chance, there's a chance that I might be just happy enough with my 103 where I don't need to worry about it, but we'll see. Dalton, is that something that would interest you or are you like Dan, you'd sit back and, and, and wait I, th- I think one thing I'm going to do is be waiting. The sentiment I've gotten is I know it feels like for me, it's pretty clear that Jackson Smith is the 102, but like, I think especially after the NFL draft, I would, I would not be shocked if consensus is Jameer 102. Right. So right. that, that, that would be part of the reason where if the consensus became Jackson 102, and I knew the only way that I could get Jackson was to go to 102 from 103, then I'm happy throwing an early second. Like, I do think there's a lot of fun depth guys in this class. Like, you can potentially get, like, Duncan Cade at, at um, 
202 like that that could be like fun or like some of those type of guys or some of these running backs that get drafted day two you can get some of them there um but i think overall like yeah you want jackson on your team like he's he's just gonna be a superstar and i would do i would do a bit to to get him guys we've hit an hour almost an hour and 15 and i'm i'm in studio b upstairs so i need to wrap it up soon for for my for my wife so guys i really want to get dalton this is you, you every time you're in the district you bring it. You bring such sharp takes. I want to get your top ten rookies for non superflex. All right, let's run Lay it. it on so, us. yeah. All right, so one on one. Obviously, we have Bijan, absolute stud. I think. I mean, he's just as locked in as you can get for a guy that early. One to two. I got uh, Jackson Smith. Um, and Jigba, I just think he's superstar. One of three. I got Gibbs right now. I still think he's probably going to be a first round pick, but. Again, we touched on why we think the running back landscape might be a little bit lower. Um, 104, I think, is where it gets really interesting, and I think you can make case for a couple of guys here. Um, my lean right now is going to be Jordan Addison at 104, um, and then someone like Quentin Johnson at 105 with like Zach Charbonnet at 106 in the same tier. And then I'd also probably have like as a Flowers uh, 107 in the same tier. And then I probably would have like a Condre Miller, like depending on I, I I'm I'm a little bit concerned about where he's gonna go in the draft. But I, if he goes top set, if he's a top seventy pick, he's for sure in this tier, and he might even move up to like top five or six for me. Um, so he's kind of like the influx guy, but I I love him, so I think he's he's gonna be really good. So he'd be like one hundred seven, one hundred eight right now, and then after that, um, it gets really tough. I think maybe I'm looking at like a. I don't even know, like a Tajay Spears, like a Roshan Johnson, Devin a chain. Then you're starting to get in that category two, where once you get to the nine ten, like I, I also think that's where you can start to think about tight ends. And I think if Anthony Richardson goes three, I think you can make the case for taking Anthony Richardson at nine or 10 too. So that's kind of like the tier break for me after like eight would be slotting in um, some of those guys there. So I don't have like a full on set rankings once nine and 10 hit, but I would say Anthony Richardson, some of those tight ends start to get in the mix, but then like Roshan Johnson, Devin Achain, Tajay Spears, Marvin Mims, they're all like they're all like right in that that area. So you're you're definitely higher in consensus on Mims. Just based yeah, on what I, would you're say, I would say him, just because I think he's gonna get the draft capital. Like again, like I don't really I wanna be honest, like I don't really like a lot of this these wide receivers in the class outside. I think Hyatt also is interesting. He's pr- if he goes round one, like he's probably gonna be in the range too, just because I'm just going to lean into a team like me enough to take the first round. Um, but again, like eh, it just feels like a pretty, the depth in this wide receiver class kind of sucks, which also is probably leaning me towards like, like leaning towards like an Addison or Quentin Johnson, like earlier on knowing that there's a lot more running back depth. So if I miss on like a Condre Miller or Charbonnet, um, I can probably get somebody who might not be like as good, but like, like there's less of a drop off to like, somebody like a, a tank Bigsby or Zach Evans or something or like a Devin, a chain or something along those lines that I can get in the early second. So to, to, to reiterate Dalton's top 10 right now, it's Bichon Robinson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Zach Charbonnet, Zay flowers, and then Condre Miller with an asterisk for draft capital. We want yeah. to see him get in there for that one Oh eight. And then we have a tier of Ty J Spears, Devin, a chain, Roshan Johnson, and Anthony Anthony Richardson is the kind of the wild card. Where yeah. if he lands well, Dalton's all in on that one. Dalton, tell everybody again where they can find you. 
yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Kate. Um, I'm not posting as much as I used to um, right now, but I do have like a lot of dynasty takes. Um, I'm also doing work with studying lines right now. So that's more on the, the betting side of things. I just put out some win totals uh, a couple nights ago on terms of like 10 teams like for the NFL season. Um, I'll be doing a lot of NFL draft content in terms of bets on there as well. And then stay tuned over the next like couple of weeks. I'll be doing some draft content with with a couple of sites and putting out some articles and doing some shows and whatnot. So um, some fun stuff coming. So just stay tuned and uh, and uh, it'll be fun. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. And then Dan, when JD's back in, in the Goat District, we've got a big announcement. There's some really great things on the horizon for the Goat District, huh? Yeah, definitely some fun stuff. I'm uh, looking forward to being able to talk about that a little bit more. For now, it's under wraps, but uh, we're. I, we think you're going to like it. So uh, make sure you're checking that out. Also, make sure you're checking out the FFPC. they got a ton of good stuff going right now. Their uh, Superflex tournament, uh, the pre-draft Superflex tournament is about to wrap up. They're running out of spots in that. So if you want to get in, now is the time. Uh, they've also got their never too early regular um, not Superflex tournament, which is also starting to wind down a little bit. But there's more spots left in that. And then the Dynasty Leagues. There's a ton of... Um, there's a ton of cheap orphans out there. Some pretty good teams. I mean, you know, there's there's teams you can get for a dollar, a hundred dollars that are gonna, you know, like there there is a one dollar team in the twenty five hundred dollar dynasty league, uh, or at least it was as of a couple days ago. So lots of fun stuff that you can find there too. So make sure you check that out. Great sound effect for JD to use is the "I'll buy that for a dollar" guy from RoboCop. <laughs> we really should have that when we're talking about Dynasty Orphans, uh, Dan. Uh, make a note of that, JD. And then JD will be away. Uh, poor guy, it's really sad. He's going to be yeah. sitting on a beach in Cabo next week. Uh, so Dan and I will be back in the district next Wednesday evening. We have a, a great guest. If you enjoyed tonight talking about some of these rookies, you're going to really love. Next week we have Scott Connor. Um, Scott Connor it just brings it when it comes to dynasty content. So that's going to be a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun tonight, guys. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Fun as always. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish